Hello, and welcome to Love in the Time of COVID-19. I'm Julie Stampler. This is episode 15, which uh, is pretty remarkable. We've been doing this for a couple of months now, and it just started as a, a whim, an inspiration, when I noticed the box of love letters from my grandpa Harold to my grandma Selma that he wrote to her while he was uh, in the war. And part of it, you know, I was thinking, wow, you know, we're in a situation now where we can't be together, so we should try to remember what it was like when we had to write letters to each other and, and maybe even wait for answers, not just get the immediate Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, texting immediacy. Obviously, I <laughs> I'm not going to start that kind of a movement here, but think about it. You know, even if you're writing to yourself, uh, take some time for yourself and put pen to paper. It actually feels really good. I hope everybody is feeling good and I hope everybody is doing okay. Uh, I've been very fortunate to have this platform because I, I feel like it is evolving and I'm having the opportunity to have really interesting conversations with people and, and to give people a voice and to hopefully stimulate some thought and stimulate some other things. Hey, whatever floats your boat. And today I am really uh, fortunate to have been able to have a conversation with a woman that I met last year who's remarkable. She's just remarkable. She does so much. I, this woman makes me tired just thinking about her, but she's amazing. And I wanted to be able to give some space to people of color who are trying to make some change in the world and do some good in the world. And Dr. Renee Matthews is one of those people. She's also a talker like me. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time up front here. I'm going to put you right into the interview. So sit back, relax, enjoy. Here's my interview with Dr. Renee Matthews. So today I am lucky enough to have Dr. Renee Matthews with me, media personality, international speaker, writer, blogger, brand ambassador, and I'm throwing in there, doctor, woman, person of color, Renee, thank you for being here. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you laugh. Is that too much? It's not enough. There's like 300 <laughs> other things that you do. I only gave like five. <laughs> you, you, you truly are. You're, you're, you are dominating everything that you do. I do not know how you do it. I am exhausted but blessed that I get to watch what you do and listen to what you do. And it's kind of funny. We know each other. I kind of, you know, given the, the quotations, yeah. but, but we met, we have a funny story about how we met. Do you right. want to tell it or should I tell it? You can tell it. That's what I let, I, I, you know, yeah, you can tell it. All right. So I had been invited to be on the Tamron Hall show as a guest talking about the opioid crisis and the life-saving drug that my stepfather created, naloxone, and I got bumped. <laughs> and I got bumped like an hour before I was supposed to be there. I had my hair done, my makeup done. I was like ready. And they were like, well, you could come and sit in the audience. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll come and sit in the audience. And they sat us next to each other. And we are both talkers. <laughs> <laughs> And so that was it. So we just started yes. talking and we did not stop talking. Definitely, definitely. And I, I was glad to 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 have connected with you. Clearly, you you have a tremendous energy about you and an incredible positivity, which you actually is part of it's part of what you do. You spend a lot of time trying to help other people recognize that. Yes, definitely. 
I think my voice, I noticed when at a very young age that I was not afraid to speak up. And, um, and I found my voice, especially um, when I was younger, I said I wanted to be a doctor on TV. I want to educate the masses on their health. And I knew all along that I could educate more masses if I wasn't in a doctor's office. It just wasn't, I didn't know, because of course there's no book to tell you how to do what I do. Um, there's not a whole lot of people that do what I do. And so um, I just had to kind of forge my own path. So you you knew you wanted to be a doctor. And like for me, as, as an actor, I wanted to be a doctor on General Hospital. <laughs> you wanted to be a doctor <laughs> in Real Hospital. Uh, so right. thank you. I mean, I always fantasized about going to medical school, but math and I don't get along. <laughs> so that's understandable. So this is so I can now interview doctors. I'm grateful to be able to do that. <laughs> you you knew you wanted to be a doctor. And as I was doing, you know, some of my Dr. Renee Matthews research, I love that I, I found out that you started out doing some consulting for cord blood donations in mm-hmm. hospitals. And yep. actually, so now I'm going to take half a second. Y'all got to just be patient because I have a question. Because I have cord blood stored from one of my babies. And I'm curious, you know, my youngest is turning 14. How long are you supposed to keep storing it? Forever? So cord blood, as of when I was working there, so uh, my anniversary is actually coming up. June 24th was my last day in 2013. Um, As of then, there was no expiration date. Right, but so, what's the value in keeping it? So I'll be very honest with you, private banks, eh, I'd probably save my money. I'm so sorry. But public banks are very federally regulated. Now, things could have changed in seven years, but last I knew the private banks were not federally regulated. And because of that, they could just store whatever. And God forbid someone need it. It wasn't worth anything. I mm, know. So I did read that. That was actually some stuff that yeah. I was coming up with in the last couple of weeks when I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to, you know, pay for another year of storage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, it's not that expensive, but it's definitely something to consider. An investment. And, right. Yeah. It is definitely an investment. And I also know, I understand you can donate it. Yeah. So that's what I, I worked for the public bank. So it was a donation bank. You donated the cord blood. And like I said, it's very highly federally regulated. You know, it had to have so many stem cells in order for us to put it in the freezer. We had to have mom and dad or whoever the eggs parent, egg and sperm's parents were. We had to have their health information. And I say that because you and I both know people have sperm donors. People have egg donors. People have surrogate. You know, there's all yep. sorts of ways that babies come into this world. And so I actually have read the health reports that are given to parents who use a donor so I know exactly because people always wonder like well how do you know that the person this don't have this this and this oh I've read those those records they're very very thorough and I was the only doctor in our department so this was my part of my job was to make certain that all of our units were safe for transplant and it makes me wonder now because obviously we've got this major pandemic happening and a lot of the federal regulations were relaxed so that we could get more testing kits and reagents and all of that created as, you know, as quickly as possible. But we're now finding that with those regulations being relaxed, that some of the testing's not as accurate. Right. You're right. Yeah, that's the tricky thing because, you know, they want to rapidly get the results, but then how accurate is the rapid test? And then the other results take too long. You know, it's difficult. It's, it's very difficult. They're starting to talk about a vaccine and that it should be ready. As a doctor, you know, I'll ask you for your opinion. 
I, I'm not as eager to be the very first one in line to get that vaccine, especially because some of these federal regulations have been relaxed. I will say the one thing about the vaccine, the vaccine, because this has been a worldwide pandemic, the vaccine has had input from everyone across the world, whereas usually that's not the way things happen. So I'm actually really excited because this vaccine, one, it's coming so quickly because everyone is putting their research in. It's not just the U.S. working on it or just, um, you know, Canada or just, you know. No, everyone is working together to get this done. I read somewhere they were saying that healthcare workers should get it first. I totally agree. You're, Absolutely. You know, you're getting exposed every day. And a lot of them are, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard people are actually living in separate housing, in a hotel, in a garage, because they're trying not to take this home to their families. So they, they're talking about them first, and then they're talking about possibly the, um, the high population of people that were dying the fastest, which is Black people. I personally am all about the vaccine. I am one that gets all of my vaccinations because I have severe asthma, which would make me probably not such a good candidate of COVID-19 having a great <laughs> outcome um, since it is a respiratory problem. I know one asthmatic that's had it. And then I know several non-asthmatics that are healthy people. I'm talking about gym goers, soul cycle, et cetera, people that have had it. And these people had a really, really rough go. And if it was rough for you and you are healthy as a horse, then what about me? I no. want all the protection I can get. So I'm actually, I can't wait for them to get a vaccine. I'll be very honest with you. I would be surprised if it came before the end of the year. More like the beginning of next year. Well, I thank you so much for explaining that because knowing that everybody is kind of pooling their information from all over the world makes me a little more relaxed about receiving it because it means that all of the greatest minds, it's not that yes. every, you know somebody's competing against somebody else. It's no, we're all coming together. So thank you for that because that actually... That's really helpful. And I know, you know, so you mentioned you've, you've got asthma, which immediately puts you in the high risk category. So you have not left your house. Nope. And I, I that's amazing. <laughs> I can't believe you've so managed too, to do that. I, we've been locked down for 14 weeks here in Chicago. And, um, and actually they opened up June 3rd. We're in phase three now. I would go to the grocery store the first six weeks. I mean, the first four weeks, I would go to the grocery store and then I just stopped going to the grocery store because it actually snowed in April. And that's when they finally figured out social distancing in the grocery store and people were standing in line outside. And I didn't want to stand in line outside. It was cold. And so that's why I stopped going because that was my only place to go was the grocery store. Well, as soon as they, you know, as soon as that happened, I said, well, no more grocery store. And so I stopped going to the grocery store. I used to walk six to 10 miles a day. Well, then I ended up hearing about how, you know, if you're walking and people, and there's a lot of people around, just breathing would pass respiratory droplets. And I said, mm. okay, I'm, I'm done with that too. I go, <laughs> I'll just stay home and what exercise I can get in here, I will try to get in here because I, I just feel safer. I mean, not to mention, I'll be honest with you, at first I was not about wearing masks because I knew that that would make me want to touch my face more. So I was like, I'm not, a, you know, I would go to the grocery store without a mask. Well, then the CDC, as you know, changed things and said, you should wear masks. So the problem is that there's still people not wearing masks. 
So I figure if I stay home, I don't have to worry about getting sick because I'm the only person in here. And apologies, the wild card always is the dog whenever I'm recording. So, but everybody knows this is what we call live. <laughs> so that's one of my that's one of my biggest issues is the mask is something super simple uh, to put on. Like what you said about you know initially your concern was if you wear the mask, you're going to be more apt to touch your face and i feel that way with gloves don't wear gloves right so i'm so gonna in, explain that so don't wear gloves. gloves because from the time that you get in your car you would uh-huh. have to change the gloves to the when you get out of the car you have to change them again don't go into the grocery store and touch anything everything you touch you need a new pair of gloves the best right. thing for you to do is just to carry hand sanitizer when you leave your house and wash your hands with soap when you get home and that's exactly what I realized very quickly that gloves were not going to help me. So yeah, skip the gloves, wear the mask. You mentioned something earlier, you know, people of color are, are coming down with this virus and are, are dying at much higher rates than others. And we're dealing with a, another pandemic going on at the moment. Exactly. And, and recognizing, I hope finally at last, this systemic racism that has plagued our country for hundreds of years and we know, you know, there's been a lot of protests, a lot of marches going on, and obviously you're, you're home, but you are definitely doing your part in this activistic moment. I can only do what I can do. And since I'm not leaving the house to protest, so one of my friends was identifying people that were just blatantly racist on social media and trying to have them, you know, have their jobs taken from them because they worked in public sectors. There was a lady who worked for the cable company. There was a teacher, a special yes. education teacher, which just, I love, I have an affinity for old people and children. And I was like, oh my God, the poor kids that you could be teaching and slip up and teach them this. So that's my one small little thing I can do. I have a network of people that, you know, friends on Facebook and obviously social media. And so this is my little contribution so out of, you know, because you, you had been outing, uh, you know, people, you right. know, every other day or so, I would notice a post on social media about, you know, Bob Smith, who works at blah, 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 gas company. Do you know if there has been? Oh, no, I action? put the updates. Oh, I put updates. So the teacher oh, lost her job. The- she mm-hmm. did. Oh, yes. My. That cable lady, she lost her job. There was the most recent, one of the most recent ones was a realtor. And he bought a $1,300 assault rifle, I think is what you call it. It was a Uh big, huge gun. And he did a Snapchat. And I guess his friends weren't quite his friends because they posted his Snapchat on social media. He was bragging about it and saying how he was going to kill us all, as in the black people. And so he was a real, he's a realtor. I forgot where, but he worked for his parents. So of course (laughs) it was easy for you to get his parents to fire him, but Apparently, um, I had several friends that have taken real estate exams and went to real estate school. There is a law that realtors cannot something, basically something with discrimination and they can actually have the entire company taken out. People were like, they should, you know, it's unfortunate that you raised him and that he was this foolish, but these are the consequences that he did definitely lose his job. I saw that. Oh, well, that's good. There's a lot of these memes going around. And one of them that's certainly impactful is when you see, you know, a child, a white kid and a black kid, for example, hugging. And then underneath it, you know, it says racism is taught. 
you're not born racist. You learn to be racist. And so here's this story of this kid, you know, this young man with his assault rifle. Well, guess where he got it from? So you've got to crawl up that tree or back down into that hole and find out where it starts from. That's why I was so concerned about the teacher. She was a kindergarten teacher, I think it was. And I'm like, you can't teach other people's children. Not everyone believes what you believe. Right. Not when you when you're poisoned that way. Right. So thank you. Thank you for being brave enough and courageous enough to speak out and to call people out. I know it's definitely it's definitely our job to do that now. And I am absolutely going to do my part to be a better ally. If you have I mean, please, if you've got things that you think we should be doing right now, I want to hear them. You know, honestly, I think a lot of companies and I mean, big business, small business, whatever, need to hire someone that is into diversity inclusion or at least somebody who is black because I actually I'm going to read it to you because um, I was on another podcast and I read it to him. Paws Chicago is one of the biggest, I think, shelters for uh, animals. And actually, Oprah Winfrey, because, of course, you know, she's live in Chicago. There is, I think, a little kennel or something named after her or her dog or something at Paws Chicago. It's huge. So they put out a statement that was just so wrong. And I said, clearly nobody black worked there. Paw Chicago was founded on values, including respect for each and every life, compassion towards people and animals, uniting the community and working together for a better future. Our mission is to build no kill communities that respect and value the life of every cat and dog. We can only achieve this by respecting, valuing, supporting and loving one another. We mourn the killing of George Floyd. We stand with this family in their quest for justice and peace. I'm sorry, but I do not want to be compared to cats and dogs. I know a lot of people that are pet people. I'm not a pet person, but even if I was a pet person, I'm not an animal. And so I thought maybe I was being hypersensitive. I sent this to several black people and they said, no, they just compared us to cats and dogs. So that is stuff you cannot do. I don't know if anything happened. Several people posted this online. You can't do stuff like that. You need to make sure that somebody's in the room to check you. And if you have to, like I said, if you need to have an emergency meeting and hire some public, you know, public relations or communications person so that whatever statement you put out doesn't sound like this, then you need to do it. Well, haven't you been on the Oprah Winfrey show more than once? Maybe you need to just send her a page, <laughs> send her a page real quick and be like, hey, can you fix this, please? You know, maybe I'll tweet her. <laughs> there you go. That was one thing. My sister is a chef and she, of course, watches Bon Appetit's TV app all the time. Mm-hmm. And she noticed there really was not a lot of black people and the black people were just a side thought when they were there. Well, come to find out they weren't paying any of these black people who were on camera, but paying the white people. The editor-in-chief had supposedly dressed up like a Puerto Rican, so painted his face brown. So needless to say, he has lost his job. So Bon Appetit put out a statement. They have completely figured out that they had a whole lot of things wrong. They even, apparently, Black people would submit articles, and they would put somebody else's name on it and not pay them. Mm -hmm. What? But they stated this. This isn't something hearsay. They literally stated this in their statement. They owned it. Well, that's impressive. Um, I'm glad you owned it. I'm glad you're trying to fix it. I've also seen that Sephora recognized that you're hard-pressed to find Black products in Sephora. Well, uh-huh. they have now dedicated, I forgot what percentage, of shelf space to Black-owned products. You know, it's just mind-boggling to see the different corporations and how they didn't handle or do handle this. I actually wrote a brand 
I wrote Sun Butter because I had pitched them to work with them. And um, I wrote them and said, you know, I've noticed you guys really haven't said anything about what's going on. So they said they're doing a lot of reading and listening. I said, okay, well, you know, you read and listen too long. And then I also mentioned to them the reason why I had originally reached out to them to be a brand ambassador for them is because I never saw any brand ambassadors that looked like me. But I know that there's a lot of black people that have food allergies. I don't know. We'll see what happens. The guy was really, they were really nice in what they said back to me, but I just feel like you need to definitely put something out there because when you don't say anything, we're questioning. And I will be honest with you, black people are uniting together to form lists and databases of who is for us and who is not. I know that you know, black people spend a lot of money in this country, a whole lot of money in all sectors. I mean, from cars to clothes to the internet to mobile they spend a lot of money and they're going to hit people in their pockets and that's why they're creating these databases to say okay this company said this and they're for us and this one missed the mark I will tell you I, the brands that I work with have been really great the first brand that said something that I well the first brand that I saw was Thinks period panties I love them I've used them for years and then I became a Thinks leader in 2018, when they launched their brand ambassador program, I became the one of the first people. They put out a Instagram post, I swear it was immediately, and it gave a phone number for you to text Floyd, and it was for you to sign a petition for color of change. I mean, it happened so quickly. I was like, wow, that was one of the first things I saw from anyone, and it was thanks, and I was so proud. I'm going to have to look it up because I didn't even know what a period penny was. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you can get $10 off but, with my link. Oh, well, I'll try to, I'll make sure to yes. add that. The best product may be made by a black person. You never know. I have a friend who created magnetic eyelashes, but the catch is she's actually an ophthalmologist. So you don't have to worry about these causing you to have an infection or anything like that. She's an ophthalmologist. They come in all sorts of different lengths and, you know, however wow. dramatic you want to be. And they're reusable. Sure. I, I'm trying to figure out how magnetic ones work. So it's okay. um, the eyeliner's magnetic. Oh, so wow. you put it's black eyeliner. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm sure she'll probably eventually come out in different colors. But right now it's black eyeliner. You put the eyeliner on just like you put eyeliner on. And you attach, like literally you put them on and they stay. Like I said, a black woman and she's an eye doctor. I would support her. So we got a lot of links yeah. to give to people. Where, where can people find you? Because you are doing Facebook yes. live events all the time, streaming yes. things all the time. So how do people so find I am you? So what simple. I'm Ask Dr. Next? Renee on all platforms. So Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. That's my new jam that I'm in the next few weeks. I'll be showing up more. So it's Ask Dr. Renee, two E's at the end, and then dot .info. I-N-F-O, because I'm a resource for information. So all the resources I just gave you are all on my site, of course. Thank you so much, No, thank you. This was awesome. uh, I will see you on Facebook soon, I'm sure. If not, well, because obviously in person is going to be a while. I'm really trying to get back there, but I I just, you know, we can't go anywhere just yet. So, Well, as soon as you do, we are breaking bread. Definitely. All righty then. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. So clearly we could have gone on and on and on. And I learned a few things and I'm certainly definitely encouraged to go and explore more things. AskDrRenee.info. You'll find all those links uh, and I'll put them up as well. Thank you, Dr. Renee. Lots of uh, information there. And I have to tell you, it was it was a nice opportunity to have the conversation with her, even though we got a little bit heavy. You know, she's definitely very uplifting and definitely positive. And it has been a huh, 
a week for me, that's for sure, you know, staying out on Long Island during this uh, pandemic. And I have had so much freaking animal experiences. I, not for me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I It's beautiful out here. But holy crap, uh, this week was rough. This week actually weighed on me because uh, it started with uh, me waking up one morning and I look out and there's a, a, a beautiful deer in the backyard. Now there is uh, a deer fence so I'm thinking oh it's over there and then I all of a sudden was like but it seems really close and clear oh it's on the wrong side of the deer fence so I thought it was it saw me and so then I thought the deer was was leaving and gonna then exit out the front so I thought it was safe to let the dog out it was not the deer got confused and ran back into the backyard and tried to get back over the deer fence which is quite high because it's a deer fence and it kept trying to jump and it was devastating me and I kept yelling at the dog it was just a very anxious moment and terrifying moment because I was just worried that the deer was going to hurt itself trying to get out of the way finally it ran and it got away thank goodness so next day I'm hearing a noise and it sounds like a cat crying meow something like that I'm not good at animal noises but so that's what it sounded like and so I went looking to see if I could figure out where this noise was coming from because you know I'd kind of been hoping a stray cat would show up at my door uh but so I went looking and uh I noticed beyond the deer fence which was now thank you very much ripped open from the deer trying to get out I was able to get out into the brush and I see a teeny little baby deer and I'm terrified that there's something wrong with the deer because it's just crying uh, so I immediately go back in I start doing research I start trying to make phone calls and I you know learn enough that that when when a fawn are born the moms you know leave them hidden so that they can go and forage and then they come back and feed and they'll cry occasionally uh, and so I was not terribly concerned because the mom actually came back so every sort of wildlife rescue rehab place I called they all kept saying, don't worry, it's fine. As long as the mom keeps showing up, everything's fine. Mind you, I was calling somebody pretty much on the daily because I would hear the baby cry, but then I would see the mom. So I would get upset and then I would get relieved, upset and then relieved. And then uh, we had a huge storm, huge storm. So I didn't go out. So at this point, it's Thursday when the storm hit. So I hadn't gone out to like sort of look for the baby. And I hadn't seen the baby uh, since the first time I saw it. I guess the mom maybe pushed it deeper into the brush, whatever. And so Friday, uh, my dog is looking out towards the deer fence and looking out in a way that I, it brought my attention. So I went and put the dog in the house and, you know, got my gear on because there's a ton of ticks. It's not fun. Uh, and went towards the brush to see if I could find the baby deer. And I did find it. And it was, it had fallen into the bulkhead uh, against the water. And now I, now I was really terrified that the deer was not well because there was no way that, there was no way the mom was going to be able to get to it in that position. So I made a phone call and thankfully uh, this gentleman showed up, you know, within 20 minutes. 
He hopped down into the bulkhead and picked up the baby, which I didn't know you could do, but apparently you can. Put the baby up onto the ground and the baby was not standing. And apparently, something I didn't know, baby deer will, will stand within a few hours of being born because they have to nurse. You've got to sort of get up there, <laughs> right? Uh, so the baby was not standing and it seemed to be mal nourished and dehydrated so he said I, I have to take the baby which of course terrified me because what, 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 what was going to happen when the mom showed up in an hour to check on the baby so he did take the baby and the mom did show up and I you know did whatever I could to try to communicate to her that the baby was okay yes I'm talking about talking to animals deal unfortunately the baby did not make it through the night and it makes me sad to think about, obviously. This gentleman, good-hearted man, when he, when he told me that the baby didn't make it, the way he told me, you know, he said, I'm so sorry, the baby was too far gone, but we loved it while it was with us. And that gave me some comfort. But needless to say, I now have to see the mom coming back every night looking for her baby. And it's sad. So I'm deciding to do something that doesn't make me so sad. I uh, reached into the bag o letters from Grandpa Harold that he wrote to Grandma Selma because it's been a while since I've read one. So I figured, let's do it. So mind you, I have not pre-read this letter and I can tell you right now, it's going to be a hard one to get through because the writing is teeny tiny. Gorizia, Italy is the place. It was written on March 6th, 1946. Might be March 4th. Teeny tiny writing. Dearest Angel Girl... I'm laying on my bed trying to get into a comfortable position in order to be able to write out. I can't seem to find one. I wish you were here lying beside me. Then I wouldn't have to worry about that comfortable position for writing. I would have lots of other things to do. Ooh. If you knew how many times I dream of you and how real my dreams are, you would know how much I love you. I can't remember when I haven't dreamt of you. I wake up in the mornings in a sweat. My bed is all mussed up, and I am just as tired as if I didn't go to sleep at all. I honestly and truly seem to hold you in my arms at night. I feel your soft, delicious body in my arms, and I also smell that sweet fragrance that you have. I kiss you and hug you millions of times. If only my dreams were real, I would be the happiest guy in the world. The radio is playing, and it is very comic Oh. I might uh, just do a little editing for Grandpa Harold here. The radio is playing and it is very comical. An Italian announcer talks in... Oh, I'm going to uh, do some more editing and change some uh, potentially uh, offensive language. An Italian announcer talks in Italian for five minutes and the music plays. Dinah or Sweet Sue, they only play American jazz recordings. There's still a little trouble out here between the, I'm just going to call them the Jets and the Sharks. I have a feeling I know what it says, but I also think they're offensive. <laughs> so I'm going to skip that grandpa. We were racy and now we're getting rude. Trieste was declared off limits to us because a couple of, oh, yep, that's the word I'm reading. A couple of people, let's just call them that. A couple of people were killed and about a hundred put into the hospital. I would like to see all the American soldiers sent home and then give each jet and shark a gun and let them go to work on each other. That is just what they need. 
I received four letters from you today. You write the most beautiful letters that I think were ever written. Honey, you don't know how thankful I am to God that you love me so much. You put strength into my body and you enable me to carry on. Sometimes I really get very despondent and blue, but those letters of yours cheer me up. Just to read that you love me and miss me makes me feel good. When you say you need me to lean on makes me swell up with pride. When I get home, you will never have to worry again. I will be by your side and all the troubles that we may have will be on my back and your life will just be full of joy and happiness. I hope to God I can make you the happiest girl in the world because you deserve all that is good in this world. I also want to say again that I love you. In fact, I will never stop saying that. That is the major part of my life, loving you. When I get home, I will smother you with hugs and kisses, not just on the day I get home, but every day I'm with you. And I hope to God that it is for a long time. I have to close, but I will write again tomorrow. Sweet dreams, sweetheart, and good night. I love you. Love, Harold. Wow. He got a little bit racy there. And then uh, some prejudicial language came out. I did my own editing. Uh, If anybody really wants to know what the words were, send me an email. Love in the time of COVID-19 at gmail.com. You can also send a letter if you have a a letter from your past or your family history. I would love to share it with everybody. Love in the time of COVID-19 at gmail.com. That's going to be it for this week's episode. Thanks again to Dr. Renee Matthews, askdrrenee.info. And uh, you can get some of the links there to uh, the things we chatted about in our interview. I hope everyone is wearing a mask. If you're not, I have choice words for you. But there might be children listening, so I'm not going to use them. But wear a mask. Idiot. Keep washing your hands. uh, Keep your hands away from your face. And keep coming back. I'm Julie Stampler. This is Love in the Time of COVID-19. Stay well.